men might uh, uh, go to passivity instead of actually leading. What do right. you have to say? And so at that at that point, you're you're talking about um, like a father, you know, who 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 fathers a child, whether in and out of wedlock, and then ends up leaving because it's too hard. It's too much work. Right. They, this isn't what they signed mm-hmm. up for. Mm-hmm. You know, the relationship isn't the best, and 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 they just want to hit the reset button. Um, so they they're kind of abdicating that that role, and it's I love I love Doug Wilson because he's always stressing, kind of it's not whether but which, right? Mm, yes. When when a when a father leaves, uh, it's not that he's not teaching about headship and creation and God and Christ. It's it's what he's teaching. What is that empty chair at the dinner table mm. teaching that family mm. and the world about those things? I'm the word of God. I will build my Welcome to Grounded. I'm Steve Hartland, senior pastor at Cornerstone Community Church in Joppa, Maryland. And I have a guest in this episode, but we're going to hold him for a moment and uh, just mention to you that what we're, we're, we're uh, recording this on kind of an unusual day. I don't know what day it's going to get released. I don't know what day you're going to see it on, but there are there are fires going on in Canada and the air is brown. Remember that? You remember back. That was like a few weeks ago or a month ago from when you're seeing this. So this is one of those days. So it's very interesting. So let's talk about, I'm going to introduce my guest and let's talk about the fires a little bit. So this is funny. So I'm Steve and he's Steve. So we're Steve. Say hi yeah. to Steve, right? Hello, Steve. How you doing, Steve? All right. So you're Steve Peck and I'm Steve Hartland. Maybe we use last names or something today. It's I like a know. tale of two cities at the beginning where they're calling each other Jacques. Uh-huh. I didn't even know about <laughs> Steve? that. Steve? Uh-huh. Steve? Okay. I didn't know about that. <laughs> okay. So so um, the reason Steve is here today is because he's a good friend. He's a great guy. He's one of the sturdy theological guys in our church. We were blessed to have a number of them. He's in that team. He's one of our teachers when there are various situations where we need doctrinal teachers and so on. So uh, I'm glad to have you, Steve, yeah, on thanks, the bro. podcast I today. And uh, yeah, what do you? What's the brown air doing to you? Do you have like you have some yeah, I breathing have, so challenges? Don't I, you? I had asthma as a kid. I mean, I still do a little bit. Uh, I haven't carried an inhaler with me in probably twenty to twenty-five years. I got it with and me you are today. today. Yeah. So since that smoke's coming from Canada, I'm sure it's apologetic, but Man. that's not helping my asthma. You know what I think <laughs> I've noticed though? So I've been struggling badly with allergies this okay. year. Like my, I have a I have a red truck. It's been yellow. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of course. Right? So and I walk out the front door and I'm man, and my nose is running and stuff. Not today. Yeah, okay. I just walk out and it smells like firewood. Yeah, so the <laughs> smoke counteracts the pollen. Yeah. Smell, maybe. <laughs> so I should also mention for our, for our listeners that uh, the reason we're standing today is because uh, Steve has back trouble and he can't sit or he can't sit for long. Sitting is not a good idea, so he's standing. So earlier we had it with me sitting and, and him standing and it looked like he was, uh, you know, Arnold the Terminator, and I looked like Pee Wee Herman or worse. So, so uh, the guys in the studio said, Hartland, can you stand? So we're standing yep. today. Nothing wrong with that, huh? Okay. Cool. So what are we talking about today? Here's the topic. We are going to talk about the sins of men. Yes, like sins that men are uniquely, particularly uh, uh, drawn towards. So does that imply there are sins of women? Yes. In fact, I'll let a cat out of the bag. We've already recorded a podcast with uh, Taylor Wallace. I've done others with her. Uh, We've recorded a podcast with Taylor about the sins of women, but we're holding it back. We want to release the sins of men first. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it just seems better, right? (laughs) Let's work on the men first, then we'll get around to the women. So we are talking about the sins of men. We're both guys. I think we're qualified to talk about the sins of men. So so what do you think, Steve Peck? Are, Are we implying 
that there are sins that are unique to men or that men characteristically typically fall into more often, more readily, more powerfully, and so on? Are there? Yeah, I mean, sure. I think I think we're we're stating explicitly that there's differences between men and women um, in in proclivities, temperaments, all these things that that work themselves out as as different tendencies to sins. Um, and I think I mean Jordan Peterson, who's a guy that. That, yeah, that we both like, like Jordan. Yeah, we don't both we? like Jordan. Yeah. He he said, uh, and he was quoting, he was paraphrasing the New York Times here. Um, the finding that gender differences maximize as egalitarian policies are developed is now one of the most solidly grounding findings ever produced by social scientists. Yeah. So you have, I mean, you have whole populations in like egalitarian egalitarian Scandinavian, Scandinavian countries, countries yeah, yeah, where they where they select for equality of outcome, and in. Um, like fields of work and stuff like this, right? And the differences between men and women in those countries are larger. More dramatic. More dramatic yeah. than they are. More guys are engineers, yeah. fewer lay. Sure. More women are nurses, nurses fewer yeah, guys, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there's When they're there's absolutely some... the most free people on the planet right. to choose whichever one they want mm -hmm. with no social implications or right. anything. Yeah. yeah. So what's that illustrate? Men and women are different. Different. So no surprise that when we come to our sins, sins yeah. men and women are different. Even absolutely. where we have the same sin, like one sin we're going to talk about if we get to it today is uh, pride. Do, right. do Sure. Women have pride. Yeah. Do men have pride? Yeah. We have different, different prides. Yeah. Expressions, right? Yes, yeah. right. Sure. But we also have some different sins where right. the women. So, uh, like one of them we're going to talk about today is is lust, sure. physical lust. So, do women lust? Well, in every case of adultery, there's a woman, right? Right. But she's in it for different reasons, mm -hmm. and the man's in usually, it for different. Yeah. Yes, usually that's right. Yeah, on average, bell right. curve. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. So. Uh, all right, so men and women are different. Men and women have different sins. We're talking about the sins of men today. I'm going to open it to you. Where do you want to start? Pick one. We let's, both have long lists, so yeah, sure. Where do I you mean, want to go? You brought up lust. Let's let's start there. All right, yeah. good one. What do you want to say about it? I mean, clearly this is this is pervasive. I think in our society as a whole, um, where where lust and and promiscuity and these things have been very much normalized and celebrated. Yeah. Um, but the obvious, the obvious thing to look at with lust when we're talking about men is, is pornography use, hmm. which is disproportionately male, mm -hmm. as might be expected. Yeah, um, really disproportionately. Oh, yeah, extremely. Yes. Um, I mean, there, there's statistics on this where, uh, for example, um, one, one in four men in, in um, committed relationships are using pornography. Are still using the, porn. The stat on the woman's side is one in three are hot. Sorry, one in four men are hiding their porn use. Hmm. One in three women are worried about their their partner <laughs> hiding their porn use. So uh -huh. Those are where the statistics lie. Right? Yeah. It's like that's kind of the, the different sides. Of and I don't know the number, but if I had to guess, I'd say like one in seventy five women looks at porn. I don't know. Is it? Is it's it's higher than that, but the, but there is a significant. So um, something like twenty percent of men in a relationship say that they never use porn. Mm -hmm. It's like 50% of women say that they never. Yeah. And I mean, that's never, yeah. right? So that's 80 to 50 yeah. occasionally. So, so I think you're right in, I understand why you took us directly to porn use when we came to the subject mm -hmm. of lust. And sure. we're talking about, what's the reference? First John two sixteen. all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh right. and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. So we're talking here about the lust of the flesh. Right. I want that. And the lust of the eyes. I want to see that. Yeah, so you right. went right to the eyes part. I want to see that. But we're also covering the actual lust of the flesh part. I want to do that right. with that person who isn't mine to do that with. So that that's a powerful drive in men as well, huh? Sure, yeah. Uh, so so where would you draw the line with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes when it comes to sexual lust? 
Yeah, so I think the lust of the eyes is uh, I, I want to look. Mm-hmm. I want to see. Mm-hmm. So it's engaging my eyes. It's sure. like the thing Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why right. then would I look upon a maiden, sure. a young woman? So there's an eye thing there mm-hmm. that you just want to see, and that seeing satisfies. But then there's a thing where you want to do, mm-hmm. and that's something that also uh, a man is interested in for pretty much purely – physical fleshly reasons right, right it's a very yeah. physical thing in a guy mm. whereas in a woman it's more of a relational thing Emotional, it's a result right. of a relationship sure. often right yeah but um so we're talking about lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes yeah they just kind of both coalesce under this one this one head oh they, they very much do um, yeah and speaking of this being disproportionately male when jesus when jesus talked about the yeah, sin in the sermon on the mount good point he addressed it to men right he didn't address women. No, he, he didn't. How non-egalitarian I, no. <laughs> of Jesus. How dare he? Right. He so, missed an important teaching opportunity there. <laughs> so, I mean, we can obviously extrapolate the principle, right? Yes. If any man, if any man looks at a woman uh, to lust after her, he's committed adultery in his heart. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, you can extrapolate the principle. If a woman looks at a man or a woman, yes. a woman, a man, a man, this is, this is sin in the heart, right? Fornication comes from the but heart. But the fact of the matter is... Who's doing more of that, men or women? Men. So, yeah. so Jesus addresses the, the teaching to men. Yes. Right. This is a huge sin and temptation for men, right? For Christian men as well. There's stats on that. I'm right. not sure I believe them because they want to make it look as bad as they possibly can. Sure. But there are stats that uh, Christian men are very involved in the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes mm-hmm. as well. So let's back up a little bit. So, um, so we're talking about men and sex here. All right. So this is like a catechism, and I'm I'm treating you like you're a child. I don't okay. mean that. You're a good theologian. <laughs> okay. But who made sex? God. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah. Was it made before or after the fall? Before. Yeah. So before the fall, when God said it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very right. good, right? right. And he yeah. said, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. So go ahead and do that, right? right? So, so there's a proper place for that. Why? What's it for? What would you say? What's the right use? Oh, I mean, there's there's many. Obviously, procreation is is clear. That's a clear natural result. And it's an important one, isn't right? it? It's a very important one, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about um, how societies, how cities are established. Yes. The creation yes. mandate: be fruitful and multiply and exercise dominion over the earth. That's often called the cultural mandate. Yes. Build culture, God said, yes. basically. And you and, need more than two of you. To right, do. you yeah, need exactly. more than one. Need more than two. Yeah, so have a lot of them. Cultivate the land. You got to cultivate the earth. Yes. You need to multiply and yes. build society. Yeah, preach it, brother. I just want to pause there and put in here. So, so you know the uh, the the birth rate needed to just to replace ourselves. The replacement rate is two point one. In America right now, we're better than a whole lot of places in the world, but we're at one point seven. Fact of the matter is, we are relying on Mexican and Southern immigrants to come and be the workforce that we ourselves are not producing by natural birth. We shouldn't be doing it. I'm just not a subject. I'm not on this immigration subject. Right. No, not making any comments about that. But Christian families, just a plea to you, have more children. You know, <laughs> think about eat more chicken, yeah. have more babies. That's funny. All right, go um, ahead. I had a, I had a, a boss um, who had eight kids um, back at the early in my career, and he said, as Christians, if we can't, if we can't beat them, we got to try to outnumber them. <laughs> <We gotta> outnumber <laughs> Well, the yeah. Muslims are doing that in Europe, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they came in in droves and are still coming right. in in immigration. Well, and, and then they're having – Europeans are having like, I don't know, what is it, 0. 0.7. Okay. Japan is even worse, right? They have the worst yeah. replacement rate on the, yeah, on the planet. And they're just yeah, – no in one's trouble. getting married and having babies. Yep. Yeah. But all right. So, so God made sex. Sex is good. Uh, what's it for? You said for right. procreation, for having families. What sure. else? Yeah, I mean, we talked about building culture. Um, there's obviously an element of intentional pleasure in this, right? There is. Like, God didn't, yeah, g- you know, we, we, we've got the fall. Like, I don't think really anything got 
better after the fall, right? Mm. It's not like sex was boring before the mm, fall. Right? right. So, I mean, God God wanted a man and a wife to take deep pleasure in each other. Proverbs says, be intoxicated mm. always with always. your wife, right? And yeah. and if you look at the Hebrew, it means like be led astray mm. by your wife mm. instead of being led astray by a different woman, like mm. right? She's supposed right. to be towing on you. Um, so it, it's very interesting. Clearly in God's design, you look at something like the Song of Solomon that very much celebrates sex. Yes. Um, but you know, it's, it also has powerful binding power. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, that's one why, flesh. That's why one, one of the reasons Paul gives that you shouldn't do this with a prostitute or with an immoral woman right. is because of this deep binding power. Mm-hmm. He says you're sinning against your body. It involves your body in a very deep and profound way. Sure. There are chemical things that happen when you do that that bind you together. Yeah, absolutely. So it's supposed to be for the benefit of a marriage. Let those chemical things happen right. when you do that. So, so the thing itself isn't evil. But w- what do men do with it? Fallen men, what do we do? Well, we turn it into evil. Sure, yeah. Because of lust. Yeah, absolutely. Because of um, desire. Yeah, so you want to move to, or do you have more you want to say about that first? You want to move well, to, uh, not a different topic, but on the same topic of uh, men and lust, what should men do about it? You want to go there? Yeah, sure. So um, just some background for me. You know my testimony, but just for anybody watching who doesn't know me, I was, I was compulsively daily addicted to pornography for 17 years. From age 13 to age 30. That was a long 30. time, brother. It's a long time. It's much worse for the generation after me. I know I know a young man who's been using porn since he was four years old, and he's 22 now. And that's the so same length of time, huh. much worse. Started at four. Yeah, started earlier Deep in the development. Deep grooves in that brain, huh? Yeah, before he could develop natural, good, uh, right uh, attractions. Uh, yeah. um, you're breaking my heart, man. <laughs> it's it's and brutal. how many boys is that? Um, I mean, it's, you know— under the the under thirty generation, because internet porn has has really increased the ubiquity. You got most yes. elementary schoolers have a have a smartphone in their pocket. Yes. Um, under the 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 broad stat is under thirty daily porn use daily, seventeen percent. Over thirty, seven percent. Yeah. So there's a huge difference now with the ubiquity of the internet and smartphones and stuff. But, um, so I've I've been I've been completely porn free for six years thanks to the power of Christ and and yeah what do you do Bless about the Lord. it? What do you do about it? You uh, you memorize scripture, mm. right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. If a man looks at a woman with lust, he commits adultery in his heart, right? You you memorize these these scriptures these it's it's our it's our sword to fight fight those enemies. Um, so uh, John Piper has a really cool acronym called Anthem. Um, it's a is avoid avoid the sitch. So if you're, you know, if you're at a pool and there's a bunch of stuff around, that's you get get out get of there, man. Get somewhere, flee, uh-huh. right? Say no forcibly within five seconds in the power of Jesus. So you got this thought popped into your head, you better say no. You got about five seconds before it grabs you. Hmm. Um, turn T is turn your mind forcibly to something enjoyable about God. So we know Piper's whole message is enjoying God above all else, and so enjoy the scriptures, enjoy singing a psalm, enjoy praying, whatever. Um, Hold, hold that thing in your mind as long as it takes to drive that temptation away. That's the H. E is take the time to actually enjoy God in that moment. Mm-hmm. And M is move on to something pr- productive, right? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. So if I'm sitting home alone, working from home in front of my computer all day, and I'm just, I'm, you got this temptation, I'm letting it letting it play around in there. That's, There's that's a great acronym. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he didn't use this word, but I think the flea word would fit in there. Yeah. One of those could have been flea. And I'm working out of 1 Corinthians 6 where Paul says, flee 
fornication. And the Greek word is ekfugo. It means get out of there. It means run. It's the word used of Joseph with Potiphar's wife in the Greek version, the Septuagint of the Mm -hmm. Old Testament, where Joseph left his outer garment in her hands and Bing, he fled, he right? it out and Paul like, seems to pick up that very word, maybe mm-hmm. out of that very incident, and says, that's what I'm telling you yeah. to do. Flee that right. thing. And the Lord Jesus said, take radical measures when you're dealing with sins. Pluck out eyes. Yeah. Like, he didn't mean that literally, right? I don't think so. But he, what he's saying is take drastic measures. Yeah, drastic don't measure. imagine you can wage a small war sure. against a big, powerful enemy right. like Lust. Right. So in addition to memorizing scripture, don't fight this battle alone. Confess this sin to brothers, many brothers who can who can hold you accountable. Get into accountability. Be honest with people about about your failure because there's all this shame. Right. Mm, And it is a shameful thing. But the Bible is very clear. We need to confess our sins to one another. And pray for one another pray for that one you may another. be healed, yeah, James chapter 5. For sure. Amen. Yeah. I'm also reminded of, remember the time when the disciples went out and there was a guy with demons and they couldn't cast out the demons, and Jesus said, this kind does not go out but by prayer, prayer and, and fasting, fasting right? Yeah. So uh, the demons of lust and yeah. pornography and stuff aren't going to go out easy. Right. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I, I work in our church in a in an accountability ministry for this issue, um, and, and it's one-on-one accountability pairs. And I've, I've run into guys who you can tell – they're they're not serious about this. Really? Can like you they, kind of sense that? Yeah, because yeah. well, they want it to stop, but you know, uh, you, you say, okay, here's war, you sit huh? down, like we walk through. Here's a great psalm. Memorize, memorize Psalm twenty-five. Memorize Romans six. Like, yeah, it, that's that's work. Hmm. It takes a while. And so maybe somebody doesn't. They don't. They don't even start. <sighs> you know, here or, or cut it down. Here's a verse. Here's two verses. Hmm. Memorize these. It's been three weeks. How's that going? Oh, I'm working on it. You know. How about how about um, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right, and yeah. you got to memorize some specific verses right. that point at your specific sin. Right, get an accountability with more than just me. You got you got somebody because I mean I'm I'm you know doing this ministry, but there's people that these these guys know better than hmm. than me. Oh, you you got a friend that came back in your life that you know him for a while and he's a Christian. Tell him about it. Yeah, good stuff. Right, good stuff. Yeah. All right, so uh, we've been a long time on this one. I'm sure. gonna I'm gonna move us on. You ready to move on? I, I just wanted to touch one more thing. Do it. Um, because if, if you're, if this is, I would say, if this is a sin that, that you're kind of light, lightly in as a guy, do whatever it takes to get out now, even if you, it's only once a month, whatever, because uh, addiction studies about internet pornography mm, are, there, yeah. are just shocking. I mean, you look at the brain chemistry of someone who's addicted to internet porn or has been, and you see the same chemical restructuring in the brain with regards to pleasure and reward mechanisms as in heroin addicts, cocaine addicts. Crazy. Um, and a researcher at the Sexual Trauma and Psychotherapy Program at uh, Uni- University of Pennsylvania said, pornography addicts have a more difficult time recovering from their addiction than cocaine addicts since coke users can get the drug out of their system, but pornographic images stay in the brain forever. And I can tell you after after six years of not not one use of pornography i on a weekly basis i have hours where my the flesh side of my brain is just pounding on me with memories spiritual warfare is a battle yeah Uh it's it's intense man and it it, for me it hasn't gone away i mean some people praise the lord he removes the temptation but it's you might be setting yourself up for a lifetime of 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 struggle so 
Yeah, get help, meaning go talk to a brother mm-hmm. and get something started. All right, I'm going to move us on. Yep. What's another sin of men? I'm well, going to answer the question this time. So. <laughs> I was going to ask you. Oh, thank you. Ask so, me. Go so, ahead. Right. So, so, yeah, so we're moving on from less. So, so Steve, what's another another sin of men that you see that's kind of unique or, or has a special yeah. expression in men? So we, we rattled off our list earlier, and there's more than we're going to cover. I right, yeah, so, sure. But uh, I think the next one I would take us to is one that I know you're pretty keen to talk about, and that is male passivity. Okay. So the man's supposed to lead, right? The man is supposed to be, the, the man is. He's not supposed to be. He is the head of the home. Yeah. The only question is, is he a good one or a bad one? Is right. He, is he leading and uh, redemptively dealing with situations, or is he is he a bad head and he's not leading? So passivity, or we might add to that, sometimes men are passive in leading because they're distracted by toys or whatever, by right. other things. So um, passivity. Let's start here, Steve. What, what did God create men to do? I'm thinking of Genesis 1. Go ahead and sure. talk about it. What's the I creation mean, mandate? We, we would say we would it's say a cultural um, mandate. Yeah. So so, uh, be fruitful, fill the earth, and multiply. Uh, exercise dominion over the earth and subdue it. Right. Yeah. So, but that that we know that that's given to men and women of equal value. But um, there's a responsibility and a headship aspect that is unique to men. Right. Yes. Um, so, for example, the the command not to eat from the tree of of the knowledge of good and evil right not to eat the forbidden fruit that was given to adam before eve existed yeah um naming all the animals was given to adam before yeah that eve was yeah so naming that, eve that's was an exercise given to of dominion right yes uh-huh um yeah so so yeah i mean we we have clear clear ideas of of headship in the family and i like um you've read covenant household right i have um doug wilson talks about how um in a marriage when you look at the sins in a marriage um, it's easy for us in our kind of like modern Western individualistic culture to think, okay, like I have my sins, my wife has her sins. I'm responsible for mine, she's responsible mm-hmm. for hers. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I, Steve, am responsible for my sins. Ashley's yeah. responsible for her sins. Uh-huh. Ellie's responsible for her sins. Uh, and I am responsible for all of the all pack of sins. Yeah. Yes. Or at least accountable, right? Yes. Um, so, You're responsible to address them. You're responsible right. to lead in redemptively exactly. dealing with them. Which is why we see uh, the responsibility for death coming to men being laid at the feet of Adam, even though Eve ate the fruit first. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. It's his, he's, account, he's held accountable in Scripture in Romans 5. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we have that headship relationship. So what do you—, what do you uh, Yeah, but, but you, then passivity comes in. So, right. so why? Well, I guess we could say in a general way, because men and their fallenness are just sometimes passive. But it might be more like this. So it might be that uh, due to the temperament God gave to your woman and the temperament God gave to you, she might be like emotionally, uh, socially, psychologically stronger than you are. And so it's going to be harder for you to lead in that situation. Let's just say she can out-talk you. She can outwit you. She can beat you. And what you need there is a woman who says, I take God's command for me to be submissive to my husband seriously. I'm going to embrace his leadership, encourage his leadership, Mm -hmm. support his leadership. But it might be that uh, a man just frankly gives up because – Right. too hard too yeah. hard to work with her so that might be one one reason why a man is passive another one is just that a man might be lazy right i, I like the proverbs and how they address laziness a lot sure. like the sluggard is like a door on its hinges mm-hmm. or the sluggard says i really dig this one he says there's a lion in the streets i shall be slain there's no lion in the streets that's his dumb excuse for i can't get a job i can't go to work right. i can't go out there there's a lion out there he's gonna kill me there's no lion Get busy, get responsible, lead, provide for your family, and so on. Sure. Uh, so men might uh, 
uh, go to passivity instead of actually leading. What do right. you have to say? And so at that at that point, you're you're talking about um, like a father, you know, who 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 fathers a child, whether in and out of wedlock, and then ends up leaving because it's too hard, it's too much work, right? They, this isn't what they signed up mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. You know, the relationship isn't the best, and 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 they just want to hit the reset button. Um, so they they're kind of abdicating that that role, and it's I love I love Doug Wilson because he's always stressing, kind of it's not whether but which, right? Mm, yes. When when a when a father leaves, uh, it's not that he's not teaching about headship and creation and God and Christ. It's it's what he's teaching. What is that empty chair at the dinner table mm. teaching that family mm. and the world about those things? Man, right? that's powerful stuff. Um, yes. So we have too many guys. This is going to take us back to the first subject, lust. We have too many guys who are substituting the dopamine drip mm-hmm. of a fake dominion, which is too much time to spend in computer games. Why do guys predominantly like computer games? Because you're exercising dominion. Mm-hmm. You're beating something. You're conquering yeah. something. And so there's a fake dominion drip. I'm not saying you should never play computer games. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I happen to not because probably because of my age. They didn't exist till I was like already 60. I'm mm-hmm. exaggerating. But um, So I'm not saying don't ever play them. But but it can be like engrossing. So this becomes your world and you're exercising fake dominion in there. And then you add to that the fake dopamine drip of a fake woman. She's an online yeah. woman that's my woman right and now you've got a fake world right i've got a woman with me and together we're exercising responsibility yeah. dominion over this fake world mm-hmm. and too many guys are caught up in that so they're passive in their marriage not exercising real dominion it's recently. funny that you bring that up because in in towards towards the end of my of my addiction um there was a year where a particular game came out that i really got into and i wanted to conquer the the rankings and the ratings and climb up i spent I'm not kidding. You wanted you. To conquer. With a, with a, I wanted to conquer. Uh-huh. With a full time job, I spent two thousand hours in the first year that that game in came out. In a year. In a year. All right, do the math. What's that work down to? It's over day? forty hours a week. That's insane. I'm not kidding. I would come home from. Were work. Were you single then? No, I was married. <laughs> I would come home from work, go upstairs, play the game pretty uh, much until bedtime, and then. On on uh, on Saturdays and Sundays and yeah, play for just eight binge or 10 all day hours, Saturday yeah. and yeah yeah uh-huh. completely completely um, abdicating my duties as as a as a husband to my wife and helping around the house and yeah, yeah absolutely because of distraction yeah. yeah well and and then I was I was you know I didn't need to try in my marriage because I was getting that dopamine hit yes from right there from my other fake things, dominion so, yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, <laughs> I marvel at the grace of God in my life. Um, I, that 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 Ashley's still with me, and now we have a wonderful daughter and a good life, and and I'm I'm God has given to me, in His grace, to reclaim some mm. of what it should have been in the mm. first place, mm. um, and and He restores the years that the locust has eaten. Right. Well, mm. and and it's interesting we talk about redemption so much, but it, He's taken the sin past that I have. And turn it into a tool for ministry because I can minister in this area in ways that people without this Sweet. cannot. Yeah. And so he's actually redeemed the sin itself. Yeah. That's why you're the guy in our church um, who's leading that yeah, ministry to men. It's incredible. Very much so. All right. Your turn. What do you want to go to next? <laughs> sin of men. All right. Well, we covered we covered we covered passivity and abdication. Um actually I wanna I wanna hit one stat because I, I like looking on at the stuff on abdication. Mm-hmm. So uh, one other thing on on abdication. Um you know, there's an NPR article, which NPR is not exactly, mm. um, uh-huh. especially entrenched in conservative family values. We'll say yeah. that. Uh, but a broken clock can be right twice a day. <laughs> yeah. So 
Seven out of ten high school dropouts are fatherless. Girls are four times more likely to get pregnant as teenagers if their fathers aren't around. Kids who grew up without a father are more than twice as likely to commit suicide. Um, 85% of youth in prison have absent fathers, and this goes on and on Isn't that and on. incredible? Yeah. I yeah, mean, that's, that. that's wild. Yes. Um, so, obviously, um, you know, God has a design for the family. Um, and, and guys that leave, they're, they're hurting their legacy. <clears throat> they're hurting their kids, um, for yes. sure. Um, so, uh, do you want to Yeah, so I, w- I want to respond to that with sure. just a little okay. bit more. So, um, you know, our, our culture is like hugely, fiercely anti, I say the word, can I even, can I say the P word? Very anti-patriarchy, right? Okay. So you got to <laughs> understand that that's anti-God. So God is the, the great patriarch right. after whom all patriarchs on the planet sure. are named, right? right? After every fatherhood is named. So uh, biblical Christianity is very patriarchal, not in some sense that's evil, of right. course, not in some selfish, aggressive, mm. oppressive sense, but it means father lead, that's right. what patriarchy is about. It's a father who's leading. Mm-hmm. How we need fathers who lead oh, and, and husbands, husbands who lead and yep. redeeming from the problems. Hey, baby, we're going to stick together. I'm going to lead us. Let's work together. We're going to solve this thing that we're facing. Our marriage is going to survive. We're going to be on the mission to make disciples and baptize them and teach them. We're going to be on the mission to exercise dominion over the earth. Absolutely. By God's grace, I'll lead in that. Yeah, and then, and then husbands and fathers who lead create f- or, or uh, raise up families who lead, which yeah. become part of communities who lead. And mm. this is how Christians change the world, right? Mm. I mean, certainly individual evangelism, stuff like that, activism even in certain areas, no question. But the, the way to really, the post-mill way to change the world. So we, we just used some words. We just mentioned post-millennial, and we probably ought to pause and define those because not all our hearers might know For sure. what we're talking about. So I'm just going to go here and say uh, each of these has reference to the timing of the coming of Christ relative to the millennium that's in the Bible. So if you're pre-millennial, you believe that Jesus Christ will come back before a millennium happens mm-hmm. in, in human history and on the planet. If you're amillennial, what the, it's a bad definition, really. It's a bad word. Uh, Amillennial means there is no millennium, but amillennialists believe there is a millennium, and it's now, and Christ comes back after it. So it's really a form of postmillennialism. Then what's the difference between amill and postmill? Postmillennial people believe that Christ will come back after the millennium. That is, the the church has preached the gospel, the gospel's been powerful, the Holy Spirit has fallen, revival worldwide, and massive people all over the planet are believing, and churches are booming, and all that, and then Jesus comes back. Sure. So yeah. that one is uh, probably said to be more more optimistic. What's right. the difference between amill and postmill? It's optimism. Talk sure. about it. Sure, and we can bring premill into that, too, because you, you have you – have they're pessimism. <laughs> yeah, you have you have pessimism and premillennialism. You I, I understand Amel can go either way, but the difference between pessimism and optimism with regards to this eschatology, which just means the study of end things, um, is that post postmillennials believe that the gospel will go out and ultimately, not totally a hundred percent, but in a in a broad general sense, conquer the world. The gospel will go to all the nations, Mm -hmm. and all nations will become disciples of Christ as a whole. Before Jesus comes back. Before Jesus comes back to reign, right? Um, Whereas 
pre-mill, for example, the world's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse yeah. and worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes. And our mills tend to be more like the world, earth is going to be just like it is now <laughs> right. until Jesus comes. It's the kind of steady is, state, right, which steady is still state. kind of pessimistic because it we're is not doing kind of, too good yes. right now. <laughs> At least that's what a post-mill would say. Are you post-mill, by the way? I, I want to be. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I, th- I See, think I, I'm getting I've there. said that same thing. I want to be, but I, I've been studying it again lately, right. and I haven't been able to get there. Yeah, but, it's uh-huh. it's hard, but I can't I can't land firmly. They all have all three of yes. the major positions have yes. big problems, and yes. I can't hard land on any of them. Yeah, I agree. I, so I'm, I'm definitely not mill. pre-mill. I, I like I like the idea post. that the sorry. No, you can't. you're you're not pre-mill. I, I'm not pre-mill. I can't go pre-mill. Right, okay. But I'm I'm not. I'm either our post. That's where I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, I love the the idea, right? And and there's compelling passages in the scriptures, right? The rock in Daniel, that will take the you rock that way. destroys the the yeah. rock that destroys the feet of the statue yeah. in Daniel grows and fills the whole. Yes, earth. the leaven leavens the whole lump. Yes, right. Jesus' parable of the the mustard seed mm-hmm. fills right. the whole and the leaven. So, I should clarify: I am a mill. Right. I've been giving it another look because there's a lot of talk about it right, these days sure. in Christendom and thinking, all right. Did I miss it? Are there some good reasons to be post-mill? Sure. I need to give it a fair shake, and, and I'm not landing there. But now but, we need to come back to— Sure. So regardless the, of, of being a mill or post-mill or not knowing, you know, there, there's no reason not to play the long game. We don't know the day or the hour when Jesus is coming back, yeah, so why man. wouldn't we try to impact society yeah. for the kingdom going yeah. forward? So that's where building households that lead. Leaders build households that lead, which become part of communities that lead, which become— yeah. impactful to yeah. the future. So and that's churches like, that lead. In churches that lead, absolutely. Amen. All right, let's pick another so, one. What yeah, do you got? Um, Where do you want to go? Let's hit, uh, oh, let's hit love of money and things, escapism and hobbies. No, that's not a sin of man, is it? <laughs> love, of, love of money and things? Yeah. I mean, now, some of these sins are very unique to men. Some we pretty much share with women. Right. Some. So what category is this one in? This is, so this is, this definitely, it's not solely unique to men. It definitely leans more towards men. The NIH says that, in general, again, in aggregate, men men prefer things and women prefer people. Yeah, that's one of the best-known things in psychology. Right, yeah, yeah. that's another one, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, what kind of things in your life have been something that kind of, like, grab your attention and really— Oh, on? come on. Name something, pretty much. <laughs> so, 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 by the grace of God, I'm thankful that I'm, I'm really not that oriented toward things. Like, I think I could live with very little. Okay. Be quite happy. I don't have to have stuff. Yeah. I don't, but it's nice to have some stuff, sure. right? But uh, I guess if I was going to get interested, if I was going to be, like, overboard about stuff, it would be things that move with motors. It would be uh, – what else would it be? It might be uh, works of art to put on the walls. I really like those. Um, those are probably my main things. Okay. I don't know. But what do you think? Let me just, I'm going to switch a little bit rather than ask you what are yours. I'm going to switch and say, so uh, we're talking about the love of things. Mm-hmm. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So clearly we're not supposed to love the world and its evil or its systems, but we're not supposed to love the things that are in the world. Don't love them. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Mm-hmm. So we're into evil territory. We're in the territory where we shouldn't be loving things. But how do men and women differ in this? So I, I've got an idea. What's your idea? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that men like to interact and work with their hands, right? Right. So um, this, this and I'm kind of lumping hobbies in underneath of this, and, and even something like, because um, we're talking about love money, you've got workaholism is, is largely more, men tends, tend more toward being workaholics. Absolutely more. Right. Um, Especially once they hit 
30, 35, 40. Sure. The women are bailing out of it then saying, I want a family. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Peterson talked about that too, yeah. with the, especially look at like law firms where yes. you have to you have to work 80 to 120 hours a week and that's yeah. it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I think men tend more towards collecting things. I know that's, that is one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, used to have a huge video game collection and I was buying things just to have them. Yeah. And they were sitting, and I'm, it's, it's a nice collection, so I want to protect it. So it's sitting in the closet, I'm not even looking at it. So I one one day I just was like I'm just gonna sell all of it. I sold a little too much, a couple of sentimental things <laughs> in there. I'd like to have back, back. but uh-huh. um, I have a small video game collection now. I display it, mm-hmm. I play them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a larger board game collection. Mm-hmm. Most of them get played. They are displayed for me to enjoy. Yeah, you're good at the board game thing. Um, right? <laughs> I, lo- I love some some board games. Um, not people people in our church talk about Peck. That's you. Peck, board games. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so that's the word going on in the yeah, church, the that I'm the word board game out. guy. Okay. Yeah. What, but, what, what was your thing? So I want to go here. So this is dangerous, and I might even be wrong. I'm just I'm making this up, all right? But I think, it, I think it holds some water. So men like things so as to look powerful and important. So women like men who have things okay so as to look powerful and important uh, i'm such a woman that i got a man like that mm. who can earn all the things there's right. a lot of that going on in the world now i'm not saying there aren't career women who don't love the you know she wants a jaguar because it's proof of her success right. and all that that happens certainly but i'd say bell curve you know the, the thing on generally average. on average yeah. yeah would you agree yeah I, th- I think that sounds that sounds right that gets into pride right so i take pride in, in a sense, in my board game collection, hmm. um, right? I did. I, it's it's on a shelf. It's nice. I try to keep them flush and uh, organized. Nice lighting. And, yeah, flush. And then I have a two year old. Same with my books. Flush. Right? Yeah. I have a two year old. Uh-huh. The bottom two shelves are always pushed in. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. so we're uh-huh. working on it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now she's got you know she's got her games. We got Trouble. We got Candyland, stuff like that. I'm trying to teach her some some stuff. So that's fun. Um, I wanted to ask you though because you you mentioned. Um, the love of things, right? Mm-hmm. Love not the things of this world. Yes. I love my board games. Mm-hmm. And and I can genuinely say, um, like, I need, I need to be careful with myself because of my history of, of collecting and, and, and idolizing things in that way. I need to be careful with myself how much I do this. But I, I, love, I love board games, and I'm thankful to God for structure and logic and rules and, and the things that make board games fun. Yeah, you like that, don't you? Um, and, and I like enjoying the things of earth. Mm-hmm. To, to the glory enjoy of God. God, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, so where where is that line? Yeah. yeah. So, I think there is a relativity here, and I appreciate you bringing this up. I think it goes in the same category as Jesus saying, uh, "If you don't hate your father or hate your mother, you can't be one of my <laughs> right, disciples. You right. can't follow me." He doesn't really mean you're supposed to hate them. The Bible says you're supposed to love them, right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to honor them. So, uh, so what does it mean, love not the world? I don't think it means that I would be wrong in saying, "Man, I love my truck. <laughs> I do love my truck." But you don't want to love your truck very much, right? There are lots of other things you need to love right. way more than your sure. truck. Oh, yeah. So it's keeping the things in the right places. It's the relativity of that. I love my truck. I love my skis. I quit skiing years ago, but I've kept the skis. Okay, cool. They're back there in that part of the yeah. basement, and I go back there, and I stand to look at the skis <laughs> and kind of reminisce, man, that was cool. That, those, that pair would really carve. Right, all. Yeah, so yeah. I've kept all the stuff. So I like it. Right. I love it. Love with a little L. Right, yeah. But then there are big big L loves, right? right. Bold print and so on. Sure. And so it's it's a matter of priority. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, right. all your soul, all your mind, not your truck. Sure. Yeah. So you could say it has to do with, with the, the terminus and the ultimate object of the love. Well, that was well said. Say that again. <laughs> uh-huh. you, so, 
so would you say that it it's the the love being in the right place has to do with the terminus mm. or the or the end point and the ultimate object of that love so i love board games and i appreciate those to the glory of god knowing that god created order and logic yeah and that terminus is what makes the difference yes right yeah amen and then, sweet yeah yeah cool what All right. Else, so, which one were we talking about right there? <laughs> so we, so we, so we've covered. I think we've covered pretty well. Love of money, things, um, hobbies, stuff like that. Yeah. What? So let's pause and give a word of exhortation. So you, you're hearing us say some of what the Bible says about this: love not the world, mm-hmm. neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what you want is you love God supremely. So. You're listening to this. Please, by the grace of God, love God supremely. Let him occupy occupy that place in your life and in your soul that only he deserves. He is the supreme object of my love and my delight and my pleasures and my allegiances all to him. And anything else you can put on the list is far, far down. Even your wife. Like, you better love that woman like Christ loved the church mm-hmm. and gave himself for her. But you love the Lord your God with all your the Bible doesn't say love her with all your heart, all your soul, all your right. mind, all your strength, right? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great. She point. doesn't I mean, get it all. The Lord gets it all. I, I saw somebody uh, saying, uh, "Your love for Christ is only as strong as your love for the person you love the least," and that sounds really profound. It's not hmm. biblical. Yeah, right. That twisted Jesus my brain. didn't say, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength." And the second commandment is like like it: love your neighbor with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. To love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Well, my love for myself compared to my love for God should be very different. Yes. Um. And yes. and speaking of of lesser loves, right? I love C.S. Lewis on this. Any 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 love I have for something on earth, right, should be like a, a shaft of light that draws draws my eye, my mind to the sun, mm. and it's Take the glory of the sun. Mm-hmm. That that really captures me. Yeah, that reminds me of the scripture where Paul's talking about. He's talking to the rich people mm-hmm. and how they ought to. They shouldn't love their riches and so on. But he says, um, "But love God who gives us all things richly to yeah, enjoy." To enjoy. So I have a Ford truck. That's something it? he gave me richly to enjoy. I intend. It's a 2013. I intend to keep it till I die, <laughs> or as long as I can keep getting up in it. You know. But the scripture says he gives us all things richly to enjoy. So there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with richly enjoying Absolutely. things to the, to the glory of God. Of God. Right. But you got to draw some hard lines. Right. Like I enjoy it. It means this much to me, right. and no more. Let's I, move on. Well, yeah, sure. So we covered we covered lust. We covered uh, passivity and abdication of headship. We covered love of money, things, etc. What's another one that that stands out to you? Yeah, so let's talk about um, a thing called White Knight Syndrome. Okay. So here I'm going to go to a book. Let me refer you to a book. Here's the book. The title of the book is, which camera you want me in, guys? That one right there? Okay, so the title is, It's Good to Be a Man. The author is Michael Foster. By the way, he has agreed to be on this podcast with me sometime soon, and we're going to talk about this book. But I want to read a little part out of this book in just a moment. First, let me set it up. So he talks about a, a thing called white knight syndrome. And, and here's what this sin is. It's a sin of men. We're calling it a sin of men. If you have the white knight syndrome, then your idea is, I am the white knight for my woman. And that is to say, my main job is, the main thing I do for her, my main purpose in life is to affirm her. So you're almost putting her in the place of God, but you're, you're, in, you're affirming here. So when I affirm her, good job, good man. You've done the right thing. Now your woman is affirmed. So, so God has put in every man a desire to, a drive to defend and protect but we're fallen, and that drive can go off course. And when it goes off course, the motive becomes to gain the approval of my woman, to right. gain the approval of the, and everything is done to gain her approval, gain her approval, yeah. gain her. Well, suppose, 
and this happens. Suppose she's having a bad day, she's having an off day, and her emotions are all out of whack, right. and she ought to learn to recognize that and rein them in and like say, wait a minute, that's just an emotion I'm feeling. It's sinful. I'm going to sure. put it in the box over there. I'm confessing it, Lord. I'll deal with it later. We'll come back to it. Right. That's something Taylor does in The Sins of Women. She says, okay. I know how to put emotions in the box. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, so her emotions are all out of, all out of shape. What he does is his desire is for female validation. So mm. he comes in and he affirms her. He supports her. I'll just listen to you, honey, and you tell me how you're feeling. Oh, I can see why. Instead of saying, well, I love you. I'm your man. And, and guess what? We're going we're gonna to have to work on that, right? right? So he's just affirming the woman. Uh, her femininity has run off course. His masculinity ran off course to follow right. her off. It's white knight syndrome. Right. I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have this one on my list, but I want to hear your quote from the book. And something popped into my head that I heard. Good. Talk about the thing one. you heard. Um, yeah. So there's a podcast called Stories or Soul Food. Highly, highly recommended for anyone, especially parents of young children. N.D. Wilson, Doug Wilson's son, hmm. talking about how stories shape the souls of kids. Um, and then he branches into a bunch of other topics. There's a really good one on cultivating aggression in boys. Like you want that. Mm. You want a boy to have some aggression. Mm -hmm. That's why we yeah, play absolutely. sports. And like you need some, some of that, but it's yes. got to be properly cultivated. Um, one of the things he talked about was Adam Sin. And we all know, everyone knows Adam shouldn't have eaten the fruit. All right? Here's a question. Yeah. I've never heard anyone ask. I've never thought to ask this before he said it. What should Adam have done? Huh? Right? Mm -hmm. he, so he said, Adam should have grabbed Eve and said, we're going to talk to God, and I'm going to say, God, kill me in her place. Because that's what the second Adam did. So you mean, what should have Adam done when? Because the first the fruit, thing he should have done is said, after, no, Eve, right. well, so no, instead of, don't touch instead it. Instead of, after mm -hmm. she eats the fruit, she's like, here, yeah. what should he do? Yes. He should have grabbed her and gone to God and said, kill me instead of her. Because uh -huh. that's what the second Adam did. That's what Christ uh -huh. did for the church. Instead of saying, the woman right. that you gave me just ate the fruit. <laughs> sure. But the sin you're talking about, this white knight syndrome, mm -hmm. that's Adam. Hmm. He, the, the scripture tells us Adam was not deceived. Right. And so we, he didn't want to fight. He wanted his marriage to be happy. And so he went along with something that he knew was wrong. So Adam right. looks at Eve, knows she just ate the fruit. And instead of doing the right thing, he eats the fruit too to, to keep ostensibly to keep that communion together. Maybe there's probably other reasons and yeah. stuff. But this is the sin you're talking about where you just affirm what she wants, even though it's not best for her. Yeah. It's not best for you. And he You're didn't lead redemptively. Right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh-oh, my marriage just fell into trouble. Right. She ate the fruit. Yeah. What should I do now? I need to redeem this situation. I want to I keep this you know, relationship good yes. here. So this has applications for churches, and that's the part I want to read okay, out of yeah, Foster's yes, book sure. here. And he comments. Now, this is some pretty edgy stuff. I think he's right on. So ponder what he says. Buy the book, read it, see what you think. He says, for churches, feminine social instincts— are inversely proportional to ensuring orthodoxy. So you want to ensure orthodoxy. We're faithful to the truth. Mm -hmm. Feminine social instincts are inversely proportional to that. Mm -hmm. What's he mean by that? When women rule, orthodoxy withers because of their desire for everyone to play nice. They are very likely to approve and endorse flatterers, hirelings, soft men, and equally to disapprove and ostracize those men who are truth-tellers, shepherds, tough men. So he's saying here this has applications in churches. Um, there are feminine social instincts that want to approve the guy who's a heretic because he's a nice guy, want to disapprove the guy who stands against the heretic because he's being mean or whatever, mm -hmm. and the affirming pastor affirms her. 
Right. Just the firms are in this. And there's a lot of that going around these days. Sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, Steve, why don't we move on to another one? What's next on your list, Sins of Men? Sure, yeah. I mean, I have one. I know from our conversation I have this one that's not on your list. But this just came to me, I think, last night, actually. Um, courts joking is a big one that's pretty, maybe not uniquely male, but definitely leans hev- heavily towards the male side. So the scripture says in Ephesians 5, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Um, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inherent sense in the kingdom of Christ and God. So we have coarse joking and and filthy talk tied to sexual immorality Mm. and a lack of thanksgiving. Mm. And what's the antidote? Mm. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Right. So, uh, you know, is this uniquely male? Well, if you think about something like an elementary school. Right. <clears throat> Who's making all the fart jokes? It's mostly the boys, right? <clears throat> and then these boys grow up in a in a in a Western culture that that is secular, and then these jokes turn into sexual innuendo and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I want to bring this one up is just because I, I think it's so prevalent and and not something that's addressed as much mm-hmm. in the church uh, today. And I think um, it's almost like a counterpart to to gossip. Like I feel like gossip gets mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's not it it's not a scene that I see getting attacked, mm-hmm. right? So same same with coarse joking. I mean, I've been at Bible studies where guys guys make you know crude jokes, and and it it I've I've said stuff. And I mean, does I, the room laugh? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 See, so and I laugh, and then I, I feel bad. <laughs> see, this is this is news to me. So right. I'm one of the pastors here. Right. They're not making those jokes, right. so they must know. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in the back of their mind, they uh, know that they shouldn't I do that with the pastors. Around the pastor. yeah, uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I've I've had times where where I've, you know, you want to be witty, you want to be funny, you're in a social situation, and it it's funny, mm-hmm. right? Jokes are funny, mm-hmm. right? But it's not appropriate. It's crude, yeah. and it's not something to be named among yes. the saints. Now, uh, thank you for bringing this up. I think it's a wonderful thing. We're talking about sins of men. Do women use crude joking? Well, they do, I think, but I think to a, lo- a much lesser extent than men. Yeah. First, this is an interesting statistic. Women don't tell jokes near as much as men really? because telling a joke is inherently risky for the relationship okay. and it's risky for the person what if they don't laugh at my joke right. and so on most female humor is self-deprecating oh look at me i spilled on myself again i'm such a klutz so that that's a feminine kind of joking men joke at the other guy's right, expense yeah. generally or they make yeah. fun of somebody or whatever right. so there's crude joking it's a sexual joke yeah. when women do that it sounds to my ear it sounds especially crude because okay. it shouldn't be coming from a woman. It is, so what we have going on in our culture is women are trying to be, well, we want to be like equal to men. But what that really comes out to mean is we want to be like men. Mm-hmm. So we want to be like men and their sexual freedom with no strings attached, mm-hmm. no unwanted repercussions freedom. from that. Yeah, right? So we want Scare freedom us. in that, autonomy in that. And so we also want to be like men in, in, our, in our potty mouth. But, but it sounds awful, yeah. and it's not natural for a woman. Right. Like, have you heard, and I have heard, a woman comedian – Oh, yeah. It's just gross. Yeah. It's just horrible. I don't ever want to hear it. Like, right. like it's bad enough coming from a guy. Right. But if you hear a woman doing that stuff, it's really terrible. And Do there's you agree? probably yeah, oh yeah. There's probably two aspects to that, right? Um, I mean, the scripture says. Now like I got a, us into the sins of women. <laughs> right. Keep going. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout. It's a beautiful oh, one without discretion. Right? Good one. Um, but you know, not. It, it, there's also an aspect of what I was talking about, which is the normalization of it. Right. It should be like some of these jokes. Should be shocking. Yes. Should be disgusting yes. to us. And uh-huh. the to, to some of the extent that they're not as much when it comes from a man. 
Yes. Is our normalization of this sin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think I think it's kind of both both and there. Both and yeah. so crude jokes. Yeah. But um, again, probably men and women do it for different reasons. Men do it because it's inherently fun and funny to them. Women do it because I want to be like men. Right. Well, maybe. Yeah, for sure. And and I think with, I have friends. I I stopped cursing, um, two three days after I stopped using porn for good. Um, Interesting connection yeah. there. Well, so it it was the last time I ever sinned in that manner. Um, it was the first time I ran to God instead of running from him. And that was, I just knew that was the last time. And God, Sweet. I was crying, repenting on the floor and God picked me up and was like, we're going to work on your speech. And All so right. I memorized Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting co- talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, et cetera. And um, Sword of the Spirit. this is how you fight sins. Memorize Amen. verses about the sins. And I, I would cuss and I would just take a moment and say, God, I'm, Please forgive me. Thank you for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And I would quote that verse to myself. Um, and Where you go. This is how we fight sin. But but the point is, I have friends who notice, right, that I never cuss. And, and like, even one that isn't a Christian, he, he'll cuss around me and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, I didn't tell you not to cuss around. I mean, don't do it around Ellie. Mm-hmm. But, like, you don't have to apologize to me. And he feels convicted, even in, even as an unbeliever, when he's around someone. So if we as guys, I think, never do coarse joking, I think it can have a similar effect, mm. right? Or with um, something yeah. like grumbling, yeah, right? So, yeah, it's good. So you, you yeah, want so to... here's a hard question for you. Sure, so what yeah. should a guy do? He's working physically in a brick and mortar office and there's typically coarse jesting that goes on in that office mm-hmm. and he's a believer and wants to faithfully follow Jesus Christ. What should he do? Should he like kind of laugh but not laugh <laughs> or should he not laugh or, or should he say um you know I'm, I'm a guy i can see what's funny about that but i'm really not digging it because you guys know i'm following christ come with me or what should he do yeah no i mean that's a that's a good question i'd say not the first one <laughs> not the halfway measure mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i think it, it's hard not to laugh i mean these things are funny like i said i've 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 laughed and then repented of it. I make I make these jokes even still, hmm. you know. In the moment, it's witty, it's funny. I mm. make the joke, and and I'll catch myself, and I'll I'll even say, when it's publicly, I'll say, I'm sorry, that was that was coarse joking. I shouldn't Good. do it. Uh-huh. Um, when, when especially when I'm with Christians. Um, but a guy in an office in a secular office, yeah, I think, I would I would I would do my best not to participate, even in laughing and affirming it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it. You go on a crusade to to, um impose a Christian lifestyle on those around you who don't know Krauss in a legalistic Mm -hmm. way. However, I think you do, you don't participate and you eventually they see the light, they see your light shining and they ask you about it or they say something about it and and there's the opportunity. And then maybe they won't like you either. At this point it's where Christ came to bring a sword. If they hate you, know that they hated me first. the sword might be over their evil humor. Oh yeah, Yeah, sure. It's a hard circumstance. Hey, I'm going to bring us to one more topic that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to bring this podcast to a close. It's been great. I've enjoyed it, Steve. Thanks for being here. Steve and Steve. We're the Steve and Steve. So um, this one is uh, a sin of of men. It's a sin of women too, but men in a different way, and men certainly to a greater extent, I think, and that is the sin of violence, anger and Mm. violence, anger that leads to violence. So. Um, let me start. Let me set it up this way. So men are absolutely capable of more violence because God made men larger, stronger, like more than you realize, way stronger, way larger. Um, 
And men have this thing called testosterone. And the more testosterone, testosterone, like if a guy sh shot it into himself like a steroid, it, it's anger in a bottle. It's mm. just there's oh, so yeah. much anger. There's roid, roid rage, rage, right? Yeah. You've heard of it. It's, it's for real. So guys really deal with anger and stuff when they're on that. But any high testosterone guy is probably a guy who deals with anger issues. Right. Not necessarily, but, but probably. Mm. And in a fallen world... Uh, we need guys so we can have peace and safety out there. We need violent men out on the perimeters killing bad people who are our enemies. We right. need you know, there's a good place to put this, become a Navy SEAL right. and, and use it for the glory of God and so on. But you can sinfully use it with your wife, right. your children, the guy out in the parking lot, the road rage situation. Sure, yeah. So a sin of man is violence. Like look at what are do you know, do you have some prison statistics on Handy if you uh, don't. That's I do, right. So I don't have prison statistics, but I do know reading reading about this a little bit with crimes in general. Mm -hmm. um, something like eighty plus percent of violent crimes yeah. are are a male perpetrator and a male victim. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is male and male because because you get these this this contentious testosterone aggression mm -hmm. and it escalates and now you're fighting and now you're you're someone's dying like this, these are the these are the the sins and usually I, I think it's interesting that the the male victim side of that is more interesting like we could guess that the males perpetrate mm -hmm. more of, of violent crimes but the male victim side usually is interesting there, yeah 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 so um also more males in uh, prison for murder mm -hmm. than females by huge number i don't sure. know what the number is it's like 90 percent of people in the prison for murder right. are males and in fact when women murder they generally don't use a gun or a knife they use Poison. Poison. Yeah. That's not in, categorized in, as a violent crime. Rage. It's not. Ah, because yeah. of that. So, by the way, the fact that here I have a number, 93% of the prison population is male. Okay. Should we say, well, that's oppression by women? <laughs> just making a little dig there. No. No, it's not women oppressing men. It's just right. men being men and terrible things. So, so what's the scripture say about this male tendency toward violent aggression, uh, anger, and violence? Um, well, the scripture says things like, uh, be angry and sin no more. Don't mm -hmm. let the sun go down on your wrath. But in other passages, it says, put away all anger and malice and wrath. So we're supposed to put those things Away. So if you're an angry man and you've come to Christ, Jesus Christ will teach you, and you need to learn how to become a not angry man. You need to become gentle and patient and gracious and loving, and by the grace of God, you can become those things. So I, I want to ask you, has, has anger ever been an issue in your <laughs> life? Yeah, big time. Um, so, so lust and anger are deeply intertwined. Yeah. Um, huh. So I, I, I fight against, by the grace of God, successfully and victoriously against the sin of lust on a daily basis almost daily basis. Um, and anger is, is very much tied to that. So even in overcoming lustful temptation, I'm more pro I know now that I'm more prone to anger after that and I have to watch myself. Mm -hmm. And if I get angry about something unrelated, guess what's coming? Hmm. Lustful temptations. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're very deeply intertwined um, mm -hmm. for sure. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the scriptures. Uh, I think uh, Ecclesiastes says the end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. Hmm. Um, is that a scripture that's been helpful to you? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it says that uh, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience is better than pride. Uh, it's like I, I have to paraphrase now because I, I don't remember, but it's uh, like don't be slow to anger because anger resides in the lap of fools. Hmm. Like if anger is living in your lap, 
that's a you're gonna be a fool. You're gonna do foolish right? things. Yeah. So you don't want you don't want to start the quarrels. You don't want to start the fight. You don't want to. Yeah. So be patient with people. Yeah. Right? The fruit of the spirit is, among uh, other things, yeah. self control is in the list, gentleness, peace. Patience. So if, you're, if you're an angry man, patient. Yeah. So if you're an angry man. That that's not the, now. Do women get angry? Sure, women get angry. They tend to manifest it in different reasons, and they tend to get angry for different things too. But that's just again because men and women are different. We're wired right. differently, and all that. But if you're a woman and you're angry, that's not acceptable. You can't say, "Well, my anger is justified, and I want my man to affirm it." No, no, no. The Bible says you're supposed to put away all anger and bitterness and wrath and malice and evil speaking away from you and out of your mouth. And so by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God in your life, you're supposed to become a gentle, patient, peaceful, gracious person. Now, I just men want to go and, into— Men and women should be— Men and women. Men, yeah, right. I'm speaking to women primarily right then, but yeah, men and women. So oh, we know from human psychology, which is not the Word of God, they can err. The Word of God doesn't err. But psychologists now, they've been studying this a long time, and they consistently tell us that um, women tend to be higher in anger than men. So it's that thing where they measure, spelled with an N, neuroticism. Neuroticism is the presence of negative emotions such as um, depression, anxiety, anger, anger that burns long and you can't turn it off for three days, a short fuse and so on. Women score much higher in that than men in the bell curve on sure. average. So uh, so women, you have to deal with this, but a man's anger turns way more uh, way more violent in a way that can do harm, right, so you would serious say, harm. Like in, in, in regards to this psychological study, so men are more volatile yes. and women are more prone to kind of a slower emotional change and that they'll hold on to anger longer, but the men can like blow up and be well, violent. No, I, well, women can blow up too. I'd, right. I'd say women are equally volatile, but the man is so big. I mean, he's got these long clubs hanging on each shoulder right. and he can do a lot of harm with sure. those. Whereas she can hit you all day and you're not going to get hurt. Okay. Right. So men can do harm because of their anger and their violence. Okay. Yeah. So if you find you're, you're in road, ra- road rage and you're chasing the guy and you're following him and you follow him into the parking lot at the grocery store, that's bad, brother. You don't want to be doing that. I remember. I remember the end of that verse. It's do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Right. So don't just go getting as a guy, especially for me. That's what I have to, because my my anger shoots up. I go from zero. If there's a perceived injustice against me, I go zero a hundred in a in a snap in a second, and I just have to say, don't be quickly provoked. Mm. This is you know. Don't, yeah. don't have a foolish lap. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. Well, Steve, it's really been great talking with you about the sins of men today. I want to remind you all that this episode is going to come out before another one that we already shot, where I meet with one of the women in our church. Her name is Taylor, and we talk about the sins of women. I'm eager for everybody to hear the sins of men and the sins of women, yeah. but uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Thanks for joining us on Grounded. We come out twice a month, and we're on all the major platforms. And if you like us, here's something you can do for us. You can... Uh, well, just simply give us a like or share us with a friend. And for that, we would be very thankful. Thanks for being here today and God bless. Thanks for having me, bro. Pleasure.